What's up, everyone? Welcome back to the podcast. This is Quinn, and my time off is over. My summer vacation is over. Not just because in Canada it's the you know it's starting to get cold already, but uh, just because I had enough time off, enough camping, time with the family outdoors. You know, clear your mind, clear your soul, and be able to now sit down and focus and do more work in the same amount of time. That seems to be working for me. So that's something if you guys have the opportunity to try, try that. Get your face off the screen. Get your your eyes off of that phone or off of, the, off of that computer screen and try to have some outdoor time with nature and your family and your friends. Enjoy it. And then when you have to do some work, see if you get more productive. All right, that's something you should try. Now, back to the podcast. We are back. We're going to have this now every single week. And I'm starting today with an amazing guest. So here we go. Welcome to Q&A Selling Online with answers to questions about creating an online empire, promoting products, or building a brand. Your host, private label and e-commerce entrepreneur, Quinn Amorm. Welcome back to the show, my friends. Today, we have with us the co-owner of Quiet Light Brokerage and the number one bestseller in seven Amazon categories. He is the author of The Exitpreneur, Mr. Joe Valley. Joe, how's it going? Good, Quinn. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Thank you for being here. It's a pleasure to have you here. And I know this is a podcast, but even if it wasn't, I have so many questions for you. I'm all in. That's 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 what I do every day, all day for the last decade is I I help and I answer questions. Uh, you know, I'm, as you can see from the video, people can't see this, but folks, Quinn can see my chin. There's some gray on it. All right. So I've been around the block a little bit. And um, at this stage in my life with this career that I've had in the last decade, it's it's all about helping more and more entrepreneurs. I've been self-employed since 97. So I've, I've built and bought and sold about a, a half a dozen of my own companies. And through the team at Quietlight, I've sold about a hundred million in helping others exit their businesses. And then, you know, all together with a team over, over a half billion in transactions. So I, as this, as the insurance commercial goes, I, I know a thing or two, uh, but in this case, it's about uh, selling, selling uh, online businesses. Yeah, no kidding. So I'm going to start with simple stuff just to make sure everybody that's listening is on the same page. To start with, can you tell us what is an aggregator? Sure. So an aggregator is a it's a it's a name given to a individual or group of individuals that have raised a whole bunch of money to roll up uh, different types of businesses into one portfolio, aggregate them in their revenues, and the purpose of it is to make a great investment and have a higher value. They're a higher value when they're pooled together than they are uh, alone. But in this case, this aggregator term. We're talking about aggregators of, uh, for the most part, FBA businesses. Now, that's what they started with anyway. You know, They wanted to roll up uh, Amazon FBA businesses, buying them at two or three times discretionary earnings, uh, put them in a portfolio. And once they put them in their portfolio, it generally becomes worth eight to 10 times, especially you know the size of the portfolios now, or in some cases, some of them are plenty to go public. So the value goes even much, much higher. But they're not just buying FBA businesses anymore. That's where their initial goal is. But in order to, you know, expand their reach, they're they're moving over into buying some content sites now and some uh, businesses that are off 
Amazon with the hopes of, of bringing the products to Amazon as well. But an aggregator rolls up, in this case, FBA businesses um, and um, manages them all under one roof. Okay, Joe. So they get, for example, they buy my business, they buy Bob's business, somebody else's business for two, three times revenue. Uh, no, discretionary earnings. Okay. Bottom then line. They add them all together as one. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. So it, the, the the best well-known one out there is Thras, Thras.io or Thrasio, as everybody calls them. At this point, they've bought you know a, a couple of hundred FBA businesses. When when you look at those individual FBA businesses, I've sold them many of them. You know, they might be worth initially they were shooting for two or three times, but because of competition, the multiples are going up. Let's just say three times, for instance. If they buy something at three times, if it's doing, you know, uh, $300,000 in discretionary earnings and they buy it for $900,000, when it is an individual business, it might only be worth nine. But when they pull it into their portfolio and it becomes part of a larger portfolio of businesses, there's less risk, there's much greater. uh, bottom line discretionary earnings. So the bigger the business, yeah. the bottom, you know, the higher the value. So this is not an individual business doing 300 in discretionary earnings. It's you know doing three million, for instance, in discretionary earnings, and therefore the multiple goes up. So they're buying it, let's say at nine hundred thousand, but immediately it might end up being worth instead of what a, it might be worth three million. They may immediately get a you know a bump of seven times and get it up to three million in value because of their total portfolio value. For the money that they get for these businesses, are they out there looking for investors or are, are these companies that they already have set up? No, they've already got the dough. They've raised the money. Uh, they're not search funders. They'd buy a business you know, and, and then sort of raise the money. The money is sort of pledged, but it's not. These guys, as I, as I talk about in chapter 13 of the, uh, of the playbook there, it, they're, they're charming, fun, likable, intelligent well-educated people that, you, you know, in most cases, you know, with most of them, I want to have, you know, dinner and a beer with them. They're very likable. And that enables them to raise hundreds of millions of dollars because people love them and trust them and believe in them. Um, and that's great, but it means you're also going to love and trust them and believe in them and sell your business. If you sell them directly on your own and you don't get trained up on how to do that, you're just going to sell for less than you really should because you you buy into it. They really love you. They really like your brand. They're going to pay you best value. You're going to believe that that is the best value. And the reality is you're probably selling for less than you should. Um, but they're they're raising the money. They've got it in the bank. And then they go out and buy businesses. All right. You, you mentioned chapter 13. That's um, FBA roll-ups. Yes. Can you, what's a roll-up, an FBA roll-up? Well, it's the same thing. It's a right. You, you know, uh, when I when I wrote the book, I, we just launched in June. Um, the term aggregator wasn't out there as much, so I didn't want to. You know, if I if I could rewrite that chapter, it would be called the rise of the rise of the aggregators. Mm, nice. Uh, so they're just rolling up FBA businesses, and and the way that I want people to think about it is, you know, if you want to sell your business to an aggregator, have at it, do it. Uh, it can be a good opportunity for you if you build a good relationship with them. If you if you if you get the training and understand what an ad back schedule is and what the true value of your business is, but you don't want to present your business to that just one aggregator or the one that reaches out to you or that you reach out to, you really should be creating competition amongst them to buy your business. Think about it like, um, like shark tank, right? We, we've all seen shark tank. 
um, and you're you're building you know your brand over the years and you think you know what i can get this to the next level by having you know all of the sharks on board that's my goal i'm going to go into the shark tank and you walk in it's your day to present your hour and you walk in and everybody called in sick but mr wonderful it's <laughs> it's it's going to be a crappy deal you're going to get what do they what does he always do a a royalty deal right something like that it's it's terrible or a loan um, you want to you want to build a brand and present your business for sale on your terms uh, and be able to present it to as many people as possible. But it doesn't start with that. When it actually starts with the simplest possible thing, which is setting goals, right? You don't want to sit around running your business and wait for a call that somebody wants to buy your business. You want to, instead of grinding it out every day like an entrepreneur does, right? Sometimes that can be exhausting. You do it, I do it. It, it can be tiring. Um, you, you want to set some goals. And I'm not talking about, I want to sell my business for a million dollars. That's a dream and a wish. That's not a goal. You want to be very specific in my view. And you want to do dollars, date, and feeling, believe it or not. So I, I'm going to sell my business for a million dollars in Q1 of 2023. And when I do, I will feel unburdened because I'll have money in the bank, no debt, and I get to spend more time with my family. That doesn't mean you're done forever because you have this experience of building a business and selling it. And the next time you build that business, because you're an entrepreneur, you probably will, your learning curve is going to be a lot shorter. Now you're an exitpreneur. You're not just an entrepreneur. You're building it to sell because you know, mm-hmm. the, the in, in most cases, at least 50% of the money you make from your business comes on the day that you sell it. And, and at that point you pay less in taxes too, because it's an asset sale, not a stock sale for most in most uh, it's not, it's not personal income in, in most cases. Um, but you become an entrepreneur and you can build it faster and more profitable with less of a learning curve. And in many cases, people do it, you know, every couple of years, they build one and sell it, build another, sell it, and, you know, really, make a fortune on the exit versus just just buying, building it, grinding it out and hoping it grows to the point where they can live off of it or, or pay somebody to run it for them and live off the proceeds as, you know, exiting without exiting as I like to call it. Yeah. I could see that every FBA business that I know either has been already approached by aggregators or if they haven't, they, they will be in the near future. Yes. But the few times that I was approached on in some business I had no intent and intention to sell, I still research who who sent me the message or who I was talking with. Mm-hmm. In some cases, I see that they have this website that uh, it looks pretty amateurish. And yesterday, looking at the Wayback Machine, yesterday, they were a marketing company. Yeah. And or something else, and their website is a GoDaddy template. Yeah, uh, how do I know who to trust, or yeah. if I'm well, going to be wasting my time? Yeah, you want to do exactly what you talked about because, in most cases, they are not actually going to pay you all cash. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're gonna they're gonna push hard for either a stability payment or earnout or a seller note, or they actually. They get pretty tricky these days, and, and they call an earnout. They call it profit sharing. I have a lot of people tell me, "Yeah, no, I sold for X. Uh, I got X in cash, and the rest is in a profit sharing plan." And I'm like, "Explain the profit sharing plan to me." Well, as a, as the business earns revenue, I get paid out a certain percentage up to a a cap. I'm like yeah, that, that's an earnout. <laughs> uh, it's not a profit sharing plan. But you just have to do the research. There's 
you know, you can just Google the company name and look at them and looked at the Wayback Machine on their profile. You could, you know, go to, there are lots of companies that have started creating lists of aggregators and rating them and ranking them. We do it a little bit with Quiet Light, but it's not public. You got to talk to an individual advisor, but you can just do your homework on your own, first and foremost, like you did, because if they're new, actually, if they're new or if they're old and growing like crazy, they're not going to be able to, they're not going to, they're not going to care as much about the details as the business as you are. They may have more capital. They may be more charming. They may be more edu- well-educated, but they don't have the experience that you do and the drive that you do to run your business and make sure you don't run out of inventory. They may have the capital to never run out of inventory, but that doesn't matter in some cases. I've seen them still run out of inventory. And if you don't have a the right clause in your contract with them, you may lose a significant part of your earnout or payout or stability payment or whatever it might be because they screwed up and they don't have the experience or they're growing so rapidly they put you know kids in place that don't have the experience. Mm-hmm. So you always want to do your research on them. You always want to push to get the best possible deal structure. Um, and you don't want to just have a conversation with one. That, you know, Where there's one, there's a hundred, I promise. Okay. Yeah. And and you want to go with maybe the top t- ten to twenty of them. There's some there's some really good ones out there that are competing against each other and can pay a strong strong value. But when you when you talk to just one, you are not going to get the value that your business truly deserves. Especially if you don't know how to do the valuation. That's what where we talk about in 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 chapter eleven of the the ad backs, right? And and what businesses how they're actually valued. It's a multiple of discretionary earnings, not net income, not revenue, but of discretionary earnings, which is net income plus ad backs. Simple example of an ad back is your payroll, your, your, your personal salary as an owner operator, um, mastermind events. Those don't carry forward. Uh, one-time expenses that don't carry forward. You just bought out a partner and you paid a, you know, $10,000 in legal fees and IP, uh, IP patent, design patent, utility patent, trademark, things of that nature. Things that don't carry forward. I talk about the three different levels of addbacks in that chapter. All different. All of the levels have six different levels to them. I actually give that away for free. I want people to understand that, use that, and make sure they're getting the best value for their business. I was actually, I'll stop flapping my jaw here in a second. Interrupt me anytime you want. But I was actually on a on a LinkedIn AMA with an aggregator. It was on their it was on their LinkedIn live um, uh, thing that they do every week. And I brought up the fact that, and I had to thread the needle here very carefully because they invited me on as the author of Exapreneur and a Partner at Quiet Life. I had to thread the needle here because they, think about the, the, the ad backs, right? It's one-time expenses, owner benefits, and expenses that don't carry forward to the new owner of a business. That's what gets added back to the net income to equal discretionary earnings. So as an FBA business owner, you are probably subscribing to at least one, if not two of these, Jungle Scout and Helium 10. Mm -hmm. These are small in terms of the big picture of of value, but odds are you're paying two to $300 a month for those combined if you're on the top level packages. So let's call it 300. 300 times 12 is $3,600 a month. The aggregators already subscribe to Helium 10 and Jungle Scout. So therefore, that expense for you is not going to carry forward to them. 
So if you're selling the business at a simple three-time multiple of discretionary earnings, you can do an ad back. If you're selling just to an aggregator, you know, you can't do an ad back if you're selling to the general public, but if you're in negotiations with three aggregators, say, look, guys, you already have this SaaS product. It's not going to carry forward. I'm going to add it back and multiply that times three. We're looking at close to you know, $12,000 in ad backs, right? I have a son that goes to NC State. That's half the annual tuition of college for one year. And that's the way you need to think about these things. They can add up to hundreds of thousands of dollars um, in it. But I promise you, they're not going to tell you about the ad backs. Uh, they're, they're hoping to get instant equity, not just from combining it in their portfolio, but from your, what I call igno- an ig- ignorance discount. You don't know how to do the ad back schedule. So you need, to, you need to learn how to do that because there's so much value that is lost when you sell the business on your own. Yeah, that's something I never thought of, the ad backs, because like you said, uh, Helium 10, Jungle Scout, as soon as you mentioned, I'm like, yeah, I do have both and I have every other one out there, right? So- uh, You could be spending $500 a month on stuff that doesn't carry forward if you're selling directly to an aggregator. But think about this one. You, do you use a cashback credit card for uh, buying anything for, um, for uh, Amazon ads or buying an inventory or anything like that? No, and unfortunately I don't. And I've looked into it a few times And I know the U.S. has some really great options. And every time I ask, somebody gives me an option that is not available in Canada. And then I end up forgetting about it. And I've never done it. Never Uh, had cash. You can can use an American Express and you get uh, essentially 1% cash conversion, right? So if you spend, uh, you know, $10,000 a month, you're going to get the reward points or 1% of that. So, you know, over cumulative over the course of 12 months, if you've accumulated um, $12,000 in cash back money or the equivalent of it, that goes into the ad back schedule as well, believe it or not. Uh, because that's, you know, the, think of this in terms of an owner benefit, right? So if you're spending $100,000 a month on inventory and advertising and other expenses, convert that to $10,000 a month. It's an awful lot of money, right? Or $1,000 a month in cashback money. It's $12,000. That's $36,000 added to the list price of your business if you do a proper ad back schedule. I was on another MA with a company called the Acquisition Lab recently. It's all people buying businesses and I was talking about it and helping them understand how to get instant equity by buying a business. And a guy spoke and he says, Joe, man, I just sold my business. And I was so excited to tell the owners about cash back and using reward points and all that. And I just did the math based on what you said. I lost about $30,000 in the sale of my business because I didn't do an ad back for the cash back money or the re- converted rewards. These things add up to tens, yeah. if not hundreds of thousands of dollars. And the aggregator is never going to tell you about it. That's for sure. Yeah, you know what? That's one of the things that after you sell your business, when you find out about it, you shouldn't do the math, right? It's, <laughs> exactly. It's gonna haunt you down. Exactly. But you you you've at least learned and you know, you're probably going to run another business like this. You're you've got the experience and and you can learn and make sure you don't make that mistake the second time. Yeah, it's just sure. like if you if you have kids, you want your kids to learn from some of your mistakes. I do. I've got two teenagers. I'm hoping that they learn from some of mine. They don't, right? I'm just, I'm old, things things change. But if you can learn from others' mistakes um, and, and not make this, in this case, it, it could cost you, 
you know, call it college tuition for one of your kids if you don't pay attention to these details. Exactly. So you mentioned um, the salary, the salary of the owner that's also taken in consideration. And I thought of, in are there cases now where the aggregators are trying to hire the previous owner as the manager for this new business or no? That would be the rare exception rather than the rule. What they're trying to do is to buy the business, roll it into their portfolio, have you be with them for a short training and transition period. They know how to run an FBA business. They hired enough people uh, to do so, but they don't really want you to run the business for them. They have people for that. Okay. Uh, that that's not the case. 9.9 times out of 10. And now, of course, they're, they're going to want to deal with same suppliers that you already had, or mm -hmm. are they going to, do you know that fact, if they're looking after their own suppliers or maintaining? Yeah, they're going to start with your suppliers, right? They want, um, you know, all of the assets of a business that generate revenue need to transfer in order for the business to be sellable. So all your relationships with your suppliers need to transfer. And they're going to initially work with them, but then they may go and work with somebody like Gemba down in Austin, G-E-M-B-A-H, and say to Zach down at Gemba, say, look, man, uh, I want you to find new suppliers for us and save us 20%. And on the cost of goods sold. And that's something that Zach's team would would do. And there's lots of others that can do that. In fact, I think Helium 10 and Jungle Scout both have the ability to re reverse engineer anybody's manufacturer and where they yeah. are. Um, but yeah, they're they're gonna work with your initial suppliers, but then will want to expand and uh, use some of their own. So if they've got a, a supplier that they have a great relationship with high volume, they can do the same thing as your tiny little supplier. They may move it over to get better deals and a little bit more safety and security with their suppliers, but not right away. Yeah. And from from start to finish, how long is this taking now on average? All right. From, from letter of intent, which is when you sign the general terms of the deal in a non-binding letter of intent, that's where they are and how they should be. Uh, and then you get a couple, three weeks of due diligence, and then a couple, three weeks of negotiating and signing an asset purchase agreement. So four to six weeks is the typical process from letter of intent to closing. Okay. And as for due diligence, all they need is uh, access um, rights to, to your account, right? No, absolutely not. What about your cost of goods sold? Do you have them accurately reflected in QuickBooks or Amazon, or have you been fudging numbers? Uh, what about the imports that you're doing? Um, the pe people... Uh, the importers will sometimes fudge the numbers on cost of goods sold to stay below certain tariffs and things of that nature. So absolutely not. They're going to need access to your, um, your documents that show your cost of goods sold. They're going to want access to your bank accounts to verify uh, all of the expenses that you're paying because not everything is reflected in your seller account. There may be other, you know, goods and services that you're paying for to drive the revenue that are not reflected in the seller account. Perfect. And now I'm guessing with something like that, there are businesses that go um, through due diligence and then fall through. What is the most common reason that you've seen like businesses not go through? It's usually because revenue falls off a cliff during oh, yeah. due diligence. That's the biggest reason. And, and it's, it's rare, you know, in, in the transactions at Quietlight, you know, 95, if not 98% of the transactions go from LOI to closing. That's not to say 
that they may fall off the rails along the way. Most do, but the difference between a great advisor and a good advisor is the great advisor is going to get back on the rails all the way through to closing. And that's sometimes the challenge of selling on your own. Uh, when you when you are two weeks away from a million, call it even a half a million, a million or $5 million, I promise that you that you will get a little emotional because you're thinking about what you're going to do with that money. I had a client that had promised to buy a home for his top employee. She was everything to the business, but he was selling it. She was a single mother uh, and put a lot of time and energy and helped him grow a business that he was now selling. In this case, it was for just under 9 million bucks. So part of her compensation was he was going to buy her a house. It fell off the rails. He made a promise to somebody he's going to buy her a house, and then it fell off the rails. He got emotional, but we got it back on the rails all the way through to closing. The, the more you know about the types of deal structures and the negotiating those deal structures to make sure you sleep at night, the better you're going to be prepared for the due diligence process and negotiating the asset purchase agreement. It's not simple and clean like they're going to pay you all cash and then you move on the day after closing. There's going to be a lot of work to do in due diligence and preparing that for them to make sure that they fully understand what brings in and plummets revenue. But uh, then the, the, the little nuances and details inside the asset purchase agreement can be um, really important to pay attention to so that you're not relying on somebody else's success with your business to get paid on the back end. Cool. So... If I planned on selling, uh, say I was approached and I was approached by many, uh, many aggregators. Uh, and if I did plan on selling my business, uh, is that something that your business, Quiet Life Brokerage, would help me with? Absolutely. But honestly, the first thing I want people to do is download chapter 11 of the Expreneur's Playbook. Just get an understanding so that you you really understand that you probably have more value than you think you do. You can get it at exitpreneur.io. And there's free chapters there. It's a free chapter on uh, adbacks, a free chapter on uh, negotiating the deals and, and the types of deal structures. But yes, Quiet Light does that. Quiet Light helps people um, understand the value of their business. So again, you, the first thing you're going to do is dollars, date, and feeling, right? You're going to set that goal, that date, and how you want to feel. But then you have to reverse engineer a path to that unless you know uh, what the value of your business is today, you're not going to chart a clear path to your exit. So you have to figure out where, what your value is today. The book is going to help you tremendously with g- getting a, f- a fairly good idea of what your value is. You know, and you're going to have to look at listings in order to do that. But it, list, looking at listings doesn't tell you what the value of closed transactions are. It's only listings. Um, so it's going to get you pretty close, but y- you know. You can, I would suggest they just download the chapter to get a feel first, because most people, honestly, Quinn, are not comfortable talking to a broker or talking to a, an M&A firm about their business. They're afraid they're going to be talked into something. First thing they want to ask is, what's this going to cost me? What are your fees? Things of that nature. And that's the last question I think that should be asked. You know, The first question should be, what do you need from me? How can you help me? And that kind of, and have a conversation. Mm-hmm. You know, um, there with Quiet Light, there are no fees. It's all, everybody on the team is an entrepreneur that has built, bought, or sold their online business first and foremost. So they've been there, they've done that. They're not kids hired out of college to be brokers. They're very successful entrepreneurs 
that could be on this podcast talking about their multi-million dollar exits. Uh, Amanda's been on the cover of Time Magazine as an entrepreneur importing pearls uh, at the age of 24. Brad rolled up 30 content sites and sold it to a, a private equity firm. Pat's been on uh, Shark Tank and got a deal with Robert. They're all very successful people, but people are still afraid to talk to them. They do want to help first, but if you're afraid to talk to them, you're not comfortable, you want to learn a little bit on your own, just buy the book. That's why I wrote it, right? Or get three chapters. That's why they're available. We're just putting as much information out there to help as many people understand the value of their business first and foremost. That's our goal and our objective is just help people understand the value of what they have so that when they get that call from the aggregator or the email or the, or the snail mail that most people have gotten, they've got some understanding of the value of what they have so that they don't you know, hear that an aggregator say, look, this is the best you're ever going to get. And, and I don't want them to believe that because it's probably not the truth. Now, imagine, imagine Bob has written down the dates and, and he has made his plan to sell the business. And when that date is approaching, he did not receive any call from any aggregators, if, if that's possible. But um, if he approaches them, is he at a disadvantage already? No, no. Long as he approaches lots of them, right? So you can find lists on different. Uh, a lot of uh, Amazon agencies have started to develop aggregator lists, right? Uh, and you can you can find them in a lot of different places. Uh, a lot of articles in Wall Street Journal, New York Times have talked about you know the the top fifty aggregators. So you can find a list, look them up, put a package together, a one sheet, and send them all an email and start negotiating with all of them. You're not going to get less because you reach out to them. You're going to you're going to get less if you reach out to them unprepared and only reach out to one of them. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. So Joe, uh, you already mentioned the exitpreneur.io. That's where people can download chapter 11. Yeah, a number of different chapters, yeah. If people want to learn more, find out more about you and what you do, where else can they go to find you? Uh, other than entrepreneur, they can go to LinkedIn, take a look at my LinkedIn profile, connect with me there, or they can look at quietlight.com and look at uh, who we are, what we do, our background, our team. We're entrepreneurs helping entrepreneurs first and foremost. Perfect. Guys, for you that are listening, if you want them easy, all you have to do is Google Joe Valley, and I bet you that on the first page, most of the results are the correct Joe Valley. You'll see. Joe, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure talking to you. And I hope that a lot of people check it out. And guys, check out on Amazon as well. The Exitpreneur book is fantastic. So uh, it will definitely help you out. Joe, thank you. My pleasure. Thanks for having me on, Quinn. It's a pleasure.